Mary embodies girl power. Mary says that I have, I have agency. I use my voice. I say yes. I say yes to God. And not only that, I also have a statement to make. And that's what the Magnificat is. This is my statement. This is who God is. And this is the way that the world should look. And it starts inside of me. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Good morning, Bishop. Good morning. This week's devotion is based off Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55, which is about cousins Mary and Elizabeth meeting while pregnant. Yeah. And you called it Inside. It's about joy, proclamation, singing, God's song. It's packed with vivid imagery. And I'm wondering if you could put to words more of your thoughts on why this passage may be important for us today. You know, I think one of the great ways to read the Bible is to enter into the stories. I think that um, for a long time, at least in my denomination, we taught, you know, um, people to read the Bible at at an academic and intellectual distance, right? Um, and that's fine. And I get that. And I'm a beneficiary of the, of the best of that learning. Um, but I would say there's another way to read the Bible and and that is to read it through the lens of human experience. And so here we have a woman who prayed for decades to have a baby and she never could conceive. And so here we have a, we have someone like the people we know who has struggled with infertility, right? And, uh, and now she finds herself pregnant beyond all odds, beyond what the doctors could do and say, uh, we find her pregnant. And we find her welcoming into her home, uh, you know, uh, this teenager who is also miraculously pregnant. And so inside of both of them is joy and wonder and no doubt some fear and 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 just this an awe at who God is and what God can do. And you know, in my sanctified imagination, you know, they bump bellies. Uh <laughs> and, and like an old movie, they they sort of uh they, they sort of find themselves in song together. Um and uh you know old and new meet. I mean I I think that's the best best version of any church where you got old faithful and new faithful. And young faithful, you know, singing the same songs, it, it, you know, ain't God amazing? Uh, and and that is always the basis of the best and deepest fellowship. Fellowship is not just, hey, Melissa, how you doing? How's the vacation? Fellowship is, I have seen God moving in my life, and you have seen God moving in your life, and we're just here together over a cup of coffee to talk about it. Now that is fellowship. And so, so as I read this story in Luke, uh, you know, I bring. 57 years of life with people into the story. And so we, we see it take on color and nuance. I mean, what would you feel if you had been infertile for three decades, four decades? What would you feel if you were a, a, a pregnant teenage mother and, uh, and, you, and, and only you knew that, that God was the author of it? 
and, and how you had to hold on to that in the midst of scorn. You know, what would you feel? Right. I mean, and so when we bring those thoughts to these wonderful stories, I think we begin to get a real world understanding of what it's like to live with God. Mm. Yeah. When I think of Mary and Elizabeth meeting and the joy they both exude, I think of the musical Hamilton <laughs> when <laughs> Angelica and Eliza are once reunited. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so you wrote about Elizabeth's song being one of trust in God, which is juxtaposed by Herod's sad song. And I understand the joyful song when we trust God and anticipate God, you know, going before us and being alongside us in our sorrow, et cetera, et cetera. So I started wondering more about Herod's sad song. Sure. And how sometimes singing a sad song like Herod's is far easier than singing a joyful one like Elizabeth's. Yeah, of course. It's, right? So I'm not sure what my question is exactly, yet, <laughs> <laughs> but yet I'm hoping you have thoughts on the difference between the two. Well, the question that I hear you not asking is, uh, so what are the, what's the content of uh, Herod's sad song? And so Herod's sad song is abuse power, oppression, might makes right. Um, you know, uh, I, I may say the word God, but I'm going to live as an atheist. That's a sad song. Um, you know, uh, we are all alone. We're left to our devices. Um, there is no intervention. Um, we are, we have all the majesty that there is in the universe. Um, you know, those are all sad songs. Ultimately, it's a sad song of empire. Uh, it's a sad song of we we crush we crush the poor, we cheat them in their wages, we steal their personhood, we rob them of their dignity to feed the economic machine. That's a sad song. These sad songs are not only Herod's sad songs, but these sad songs are present today. Um, some of God's children have better health care than other of God's children. Um, we can pass all kinds of legislation, but we, we struggle to give families the breaks that they need. Uh, we struggle to give people time off when the new baby comes. We struggle to give people a living wage. Um, we struggle, uh, to provide adequate, healthy, clean housing for people. These are all sad songs and we know that they're sad. Um, uh, and so we lament um, and we just say that that's the way it is. That's a sad song. Uh, you know, we know this set, we know Herod's sad song. I've been to plenty of cocktail parties in my life and we talk about the headlines and we talk about the, the shootings that are rampant. We talk about, uh, uh, the suicide rate that is increasing among our young people. Um, we talk about the fact that our brave warriors have been sent off to war a war conjured in, in Washington that is uh, ultimately hollow and a lie that they gave their life for. It's a sad song. And so there are lots of sad songs out there. And when we have these conversations, one to the other at cocktail parties, what do we do at the end of re this recitation of the headlines? We sigh. We know that it's a sad song and we change the subject. So, so contrast all of that to Mary and Elizabeth's joyful song. God is breaking in. God is our hope. God can make something out of this. We wanted to give up, but God has given us an occasion to hope. We don't know how it works. It's not dependent on our 
uh, our virtues or our learning, but somehow God is active and energizing in this situation. And it's making me sing. And I don't even know where the song is coming from. Right. That's a different that's the that's a different song altogether than Herod's song. You know, well, well, OK, so yes. And at least Elizabeth and Mary had babies inside them that they were going to be able to hold and bathe and hopefully, uh, you know, raise. Um, you also quoted Merle Evers, who did not have uh, a happy ending. Yeah. And, and yet her words were profound. And so I'm wondering if you might want to speak into that. So, yeah, I quoted Merle Evers uh, here, and Merle Evers is the, is the wife of slain uh, civil rights uh, leader in uh, Mississippi, uh, Medgar Evers, uh, for whom the uh, airport in Mississippi is, is named. And Medgar Evers was shot on his front steps and died in his wife's arms, Merle Evers. And, and the reason why I quoted her is, is that in the, in the first inaugural of, uh, of President Obama, she was invited to speak and uh, having all and she had to raise three children uh, by herself. And, and she joined an unhappy sorority with Betty Chappaz, uh, the, the wife of uh, Malcolm X, and uh, also Coretta Scott King, the wife of Dr. King. So they had a, a very sad uh, little sorority together. And, and we would have understood of all three of them that their life would have been sad lives thereafter. But in, in Merle Evers, Merle Evers rises to the podium, uh, you know, with the nation listening in on this most pregnant of moments. And, and, uh, and Merle Evers says that, that there's something in her that holds the rain. There's something in her that banishes the pain. There's something in her that she just can't explain. And this is, and then comes the line. Uh, and thank God there's something in me. And so, so what she's saying is, is that somehow, um, even through the horror of what she experienced in losing the love of her life, God has done something in her life, inside of her. And, and all she can say is, thank God there's something inside of me, which is in some ways connected to Mary and Elizabeth, who say, thank God, uh, given all the tough parts of my life, there's something inside of me. And I, I think that this is what the church's uh, purpose is, is, is to say that, you know, despite all of the manifold ways in which we are singing alongside of Herod, that there is still something inside of us and that God can God can make it flourish. God can work with it. God can, as I like to say, God can turn garbage into gold. Right. And so Merle ever stood, uh, you know, there in front of the nation to say that God had done something in her life. And now uh, she is not sort of the, uh, the messenger of uh, a sorrow and sadness. She is the messenger that God can heal and restore her, her own heart, her own family, and maybe even our nation. Well, on that note, we'll be right back after a short break. This is Four People producer Easton Davis thanking you for listening to Four People. Four People is a space of digital evangelism dedicated to sharing the good news and leadership of Jesus Christ. Who do you know that needs to hear today's episode? Who do you want to hear it? Subscribe to Four People and keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. 
And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Bishop, this passage has the Magnificat in it, the song of Mary, magnifying and glorifying the Lord. And it's a rich tradition in the church that we also say Mary's prayer as one of hope, anticipation, praise, honor, etc. And Mary was pregnant with the Messiah. Yeah. And let's let's be honest, she knew it. <laughs> <laughs> she knew it. So at this point, I'm wondering if you have any words for those of us who are experiencing pain and sorrow, especially during the season. How might they feel encouraged by the song of Mary? Well, you know, Mary's song is is fundamentally a song of reversal, right? And so God chooses to be a God in a particular way. And the way that God chooses to be God is to reverse the sad songs of Herod and the status quo that we have built up together. God refuses to take God's ball and leave the court. God stays with us and God is about the business of reversal. And so when Mary starts singing this Magnificat that we have named it, uh, Mary is saying, take heart because God can reverse and God is reversing situations and circumstances. Let us not forget, uh, you know, one of the things the church does really well is it it renders um, uh, saccharine sweet uh, you know, these, these really revolutionary words from scripture. We do that really well. We take all the teeth out of it. We take the horn off the bull, but the Magnificat is a dangerous text, right? The Magnificat was banned in many countries. We, we forget that it was, it was disallowed. It was against the law to say this teenage girl's words, because the Herods of the day, they don't want any hope uh, finding its way into the hearts of people that God is going to reverse circumstances and situations and even systems. They want people to just have religion as an opiate, right? But not as uh, leaven, right, for an uprising. And so I would say to people, Uh, Let's give Mary her credit. Mary is a revolutionary, right? Mary has something to say about the economy as it is. Mary has something to say about uh, unfair labor practices as it is. Mary has something to say about wealth and how it's distributed. You, You see, if we go down this road, we see very quickly why Mary is dangerous, right? Mary is pointing to a God who does read the headlines in the newspaper and who doesn't like what God is reading and that this God is not impotent, right? That this God is going to make God's way. Now, God is going to make God's way in a particular way, right? And God has decided to use people, you and I, failed human beings, right? Full of foibles. God has decided to use us to affect God's change in the world, right? But, but, but let us be very clear. God is clear about what displeases God. And if we, if we pay attention, we will be clear about what displeases God. And so therefore, you know, who we think God is affects our own Christian ethics, 
right? So our Christian ethics are based on our Christian theology, and Mary makes it plain. Mary the theologian, right? What's sad to me about Mary is, is that people just want to talk about the status of her hymen, of her vagina, right? They just want to, <laughs> all they want to do is talk about Mary the Virgin, our, our Virgin Mother. Let me tell you, Mary's a lot more than her vagina. That's right. Mary's a lot more than her womb. Mary's a lot more than her womb. And so Mary, Mary is the embodiment of girl power. Mary embodies girl power. Mary says that I have, I have agency. I use my voice. I say yes. I say yes to God. And not only that, I also have a statement to make. And that's what the Magnificat is. This is my statement. This is who God is. And this is the way that the world should look. And it starts inside of me. Wow, Bishop. You just brought it home. <laughs> Thank God for you. Thank God for Mary. Thank God, Thank for, God girls. for Mary, man. Yay, girls. Go girls. Girl power. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much as always. And thank you listeners to listening to four people. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week. <laughs>